you have your notes, before we get into the message, I, I just want to let you know I added another name to the book, This Is Our God, 1,500 Names, Titles, and Descriptions of God. And I've never known this to be one of the names for God, but this is what it says, Isaiah 63:16. Our Redeemer from everlasting is your name. It says, God, your name is our Redeemer from everlasting. So let's honor that name right now. Let's thank God for his name. Lord, you are our Redeemer from everlasting. And we thank you for that. Amen. Well, he's the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. So, okay. So we have been uh, on and off uh, over the last four or five weeks on uh, a series on committing everything to God. Our text was Psalm 37, 3, 4, and 5. Trust in the Lord, delight yourself in the Lord, and commit your ways to the Lord. And so I want to use the Passion Translation today. Psalm 37, 3 through 5 in the Passion. It says, keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure. Feasting on his faithfulness. What that's telling us is that we make that a big part of our daily walk is meditating on how faithful God is. What's one of the names in Revelations of Jesus? We see he's, he's called what? Faithful and, and true. Okay? And so feast on his faithfulness. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. So this is incredible. This verse says that if we delight ourselves in the Lord and make him our pleasure, that God will then see to it that the desires that we have come to pass. And so uh, it's one of the great scriptures in the Bible right there. So really, God is saying, I want to have a relationship with you as a father to their children, to his children, one of trust and one of delight. Our Christianity cannot be mechanical. It should not be mechanical and rigid and legalistic. It should be relational. And it should be as intimate as a father with, their, with his children. And we trust our father. And we delight in our father. And then it goes on to say, give God the right to direct your life. The King James, New King James, most translations will say, commit your, your ways to the Lord. Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find, you'll find he pulled it off perfectly. Now, I want to, want to just challenge you right now. This is a big issue, lordship, okay? Lordship is a huge issue. We can say Jesus is Lord of my life, but do you call the shots? Do you make all the decisions? Do you lean into prayer or do you lean into whatever comes to your mind and you just you, you live life like that it's so easy to live a natural life where our our decisions are made just by how we are thinking they should be made you don't want to live like that as a christian you have the most amazing advantage over everybody else in the world if you're a believer you have the holy spirit who knows the end from the beginning living in you and is going to help you make A-plus decisions. 
and not D minus. How many of you just like when you made the decision, you realized big mistake? And then you, you keep making those big mistakes and you, you find out you're in a car wreck. Okay? God is he's wanting you to be on the path of righteousness that's shining brighter and brighter as onto the noonday sun. You can begin a walk where literally you walk out of the clouds. You walk out of the darkness. You walk out of the shadows into the light. And I'm telling you, it is great to walk in the light. How many of you have gotten up at night either to the restroom or to the kitchen or somewhere in the dark and you stumbled at what you didn't see? You know, we had a big marital confrontation with a couple in the church many years ago. Uh, the, the wife had done some rearranging in the bedroom and <laughs> moved the furniture. And this the, the husband got up in the middle of the night thinking he had his path figured out over the years. All of a sudden, it's a, it's, that path disappeared, and there was a big piece of furniture. And the guy about lost his toe. I mean, it was, a, it was just a terrible toe injury. It was a very bad toe injury. And their marriage almost didn't get over the fact of that, that situation. And, you know, if he had turned on the light, there would have been no problem. But he's walking in the dark. You don't know. When you're walking in the dark, you don't know what you're stumbling at. And so let's light up the room, guys. Let's light up the room. And, you know, one of the great ways First John says to light up the room is what? Walk in love. It says, he that walks in love walks in the light, but he who does not walk in love does not even know what he's stumbling at. That's what First John 2 says. You don't even know what you're stumbling at. So let's make sure we keep ourselves in the love of God. Amen. And so, but here, give God the right to direct your life. That means lordship. I commit my life to you, God. I commit my life to you, Holy Spirit. Be my help in life. You and I, together. And the Bible says they that are led by the Spirit are what? What kind of sons? It's the weos in the Greek. It's that son, not, not nepius, infant, not technon. It's we us. And Jesus, whenever Jesus spoken of being the son, it's always we us. And that means mature son. But technon, you're just a, a classification, male, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a gender thing. And then Nepius is this infant thinking person, an infant. We're not Nepius. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. They that are led by the Holy Spirit, they are the mature sons. The Holy Spirit will lead you. In the right path. He'll lead you into the love of God. He sheds that love abroad in your heart. The Holy Spirit right now is our what? What does, what does Jesus call the Holy Spirit? Our helper. But that word in the Greek is, we say it all the time around here, parakletos. Parakletos. He's our helper, our standby, our intercessor, our advocate. All these things that that word means he is right now for you and me. We don't ever have to be alone. We don't ever have to be confused. We don't ever have to live in the dark. How many of you hate living in the dark? You want to be in the light. You want to be able to have clear thoughts and, and, and clear and concise and orderly thoughts about the right path. Okay? Give, but you got to give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust in him, Along the way, you're going to find that God pulled it off perfectly. Oh, I want God's way. You don't want your way. You want God's way. Amen? 
So the definition of the word commit, in both in Psalm 37, 5, and you'll see here in a second, Proverbs 16, 3, that word commit means to row away, row off, or row down. The picture that's described by this word is that of a camel, guys. When a camel has a load and it gets to its destination, where it's going to unload its uh, cargo, it, the camel drops to its knees and then leans way over to one side to where that load just slides right off where it's supposed to be. Now, that's a beautiful picture of a saint in prayer. Get on your knees. Guys, let's, get a, let's commit. Commit means to roll something off you onto the Lord. That's what it means. Commit, if you, if there's, it's a very clear meaning in, in the Hebrew. It means to roll. This word commit in Psalm 37, Proverbs 16, it's used when God says in, jo- in Joshua 5 that today I roll away the reproach of Egypt when there was a second circumcision. When Joshua 10, when Joshua said, roll the stone in front of the cave, okay, where the ten, these kings, uh, the Canaanite kings were holed up. They rolled a stone in front of it. So can you today make this decision with me, the issues in your life, the concerns in your life, the things that, whether it's your children or your job or your marriage or your health, that you roll it onto the Lord, Okay. It's very important. And what does God say? If you roll that onto him, what's he going to do? You're going to have success. He says he's going to, he will act. Now, God doesn't ever make a mistake. And it says that he, if you trust him to do this, he will do it. He will, you will have God himself involved in your decision. Why would we ever try to live life without him? If we want success, then you've got to roll your work upon the Lord. Now, so let's go down to the next paragraph here. God says, give me your plans. Give me your dreams, your anxieties, and your worries. He wants it all. He wants the work that you're doing. Like, <clears throat> okay, so the gardens. You know, in August of 2016, God birthed that idea, that vision in our heart. From day one, we have used these two scriptures. And by the way, Proverbs 3, 4, and 5, too. Trust the Lord with all your heart, lean on your own, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall guide and direct your paths. Okay? So Proverbs 3, Psalm 37, 5 here, and then Proverbs 16, 3. Proverbs 16, 3 is so cool. We, we'll see it here in a second. But it says, roll your works upon the Lord in the Amplified. He'll cause your thoughts to come in agreement with His and your plans to succeed. How many of you have had some success in life? God wants, you guys ever watch America's Got Talent? Well, we do. On fast forward, we, you know, get by all the crummy things and, and get the good, some of the, some of those people. It's amazing. Amazing. But, you know, those golden ticket moments when they hit the golden buzzer and you see that they, they become a soup sandwich on the stage. Have you guys, let me see, have you ever seen the golden ticket? I watched the first time. I, I've never watched it. America's Got Talent's been around for eight years or something. This is last year what got me. My twin brother kept saying, man, it's almost as good as church. You've got you to turn it on. <laughs> I mean, there's some amazing stories. There was a girl from Nigeria 
that was the, one of two survivors out of 150 people on a plane, burned on, on almost 100% of her body, very uh, grotesque. And that, that young woman walked out there on that stage, and God jumped out of her mouth, and she sang, so beautiful. There were, there's a deaf Christian sister. Haven't you saw the, the deaf Christian sister? She takes her shoes off so she can feel the beat through the wood floors. And she, the songs we're singing today, you can go on YouTube and listen to this deaf girl sing beautifully. Incredible. And, and so, now I don't even know why I brought America's Got Talent up to you. It'll come back to me in a second. But, but yeah, success, the golden ticket. And I, the first time I saw the, the golden buzzer and all the golden, all the, the stuff coming down, and they, the people are just, whoever, you know, it was for, the, that young girl or that young guy, they're, they're falling apart. And I, I heard the Lord say, I want that for all my kids. I want a golden buzzer moment for all my kids. I remember, you know, John, you don't remember this, but in the early days of you playing baseball, I mean, you know, in the early, early days of you playing baseball, a foul, just even hitting the, the bat to the ball, we bragged about on the way home. Let's, let's go over to Dairy Queen. We'll get a, a blizzard. Made contact, man. We're going to celebrate. I, I can't give you the golden buzzer on that, but we, we got a milkshake out of it. But that kind of success, so we want success. God made us to succeed and not fail. And he wants our plans to succeed. He wants, Obadiah 121 says, upon Mount Zion, that's code, that means in the church, are many saviors or deliverers, depending on the translation. But that means that we've got to have some salvation working in our life so we can be saviors, meaning that Jesus can use us to bring his salvation to the world. Okay? So lift your hands with me. Let's thank God we're committing. We're rolling our issues over onto the Lord. We're rolling them onto Him. We're rolling them onto Him. And we're not going to take them back. Okay, so let's move on. God says, give me your plans, your dreams, your anxieties, and your worries. And Psalm 37, 5 in the Amplified. Commit your way to the Lord. Roll and repose each care of your load on Him. Each Each individual care. Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in Him. And He will bring it to pass. How many of you have been saying great faith words about God this week? We've been talking about this. The church is not saying enough great faith words. I mean, add faith words to your vocabulary. I mean, you know, a great faith word is just quote a scripture. I mean, in, in, if you take a look at, at Jeremiah 32, 17, I've got more miracles of just quoting Jeremiah 32, 17. Ah, Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens. Now, you have to quote it in the King James to get all the miracles you want. Ah, Lord God, Thou hast made the heavens and the earth by Your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for You. I, I, it just comes up all the time. It came up today in an exhortation. My Father is greater than them all. John 10. No man can pluck you from His hands. Say something big about God. You know, make great faith declarations about God. Say that, that He is your God and that you are expecting, you're confident in Him. 
and he will bring it to pass. I like the translation says he will act. Proverbs 16.3 amplified, roll your works upon the Lord, commit and trust them wholly to him, and he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. Amen. I've got to give you Psalm 46.10 in the Passion. God says, God speaking here, surrender your anxiety, be silent and stop your striving, and you will see that I am God. I am God, he says. Stop being, give me your anxieties. Bring your, bring your issues. And if you do this, you put your confidence in me, I'm going to be your God. Do you guys know you have a God? A lot of us don't ever say that. I, I, I've got some scriptures here. that I've got at least six scriptures that you can quote where it says, God, I said to God, you're my God. That means something to me. That's not just a technical relation. That means, listen, guys, God is better than any genie in a lamp. Now, I'm not saying that God operates the way you operate a genie in a lamp mentality, but I'm saying that every battle you go into, he walks into that battle with you. He's God Almighty. You have a God that nothing's impossible to, who knows the end from the beginning, and who loves you personally. Okay, so let's go on to take a look at this this next one. My declaration of faith when I commit all. If I really do this and I commit everything to God from my heart, there's something that happens inside a believer who does this action. When you really do commit everything to the Lord, Psalm 56.4 in the Passion is is something that swells up in that will swell up in your heart and come out of your mouth. You ready? When you have really committed everything to the Lord, there is something that will take place, and it's faith that rises and begins to speak. What harm could a man bring to me? With God on my side, I will not be afraid of what comes. The roaring praises of God fill my heart, and I will always triumph. As I trust his promises. The roaring praises of God. Let me ask you, do you have any praise of God? If you got praise of God, start adding some logs to the fire. Get that fire roaring. Don't we talk like if the fire's going out, what do you do? Get some logs in there, man. You want some fuel. And so what, how do you get fuel as a believer? Confess his promises. Turn to the word of God. Renew your mind. That's it's a, you know you've heard me say it, Pete and Carolyn. You guys, this was back in your days when we were in the Honeywood days, and Amy and I were just you know uh, going through the, the early church stuff, and and uh, we were also building our house uh, at that time. And what a stupid thing that was to pioneer a church and build a house at the same time, but. So I'm out on the patio, and I, and I have, my, you know, just like the fire that's about ready to go out, you know, there's a little bit of a flicker there. And I'm, But I'm out there gr- trying to find God, and, and God help me. And, you know, I just been, I, I, I could barely loop, move, move my lips. And I was saying things like, God, you're great. But there was no real faith in it. I just like, i got to start somewhere. God, I know you love me. You, you probably still know my name, I think. You know, I mean, 
just ready to fall over. And But I began just to stay with it, just to stay with it. I stayed with it. I, I kept praising God. It was a little praise, but I kept praying. Then I began to open the Bible. And, I, and, man, if I'd had hidden riches and secret places, I would have been right there. But, you know, I'm looking through the Bible, finding the scriptures. And all of a sudden, this came into my spirit. I'm not discouraged by what I see. I'm encouraged by what I know. I said it at that level. I did. And it kind of muttered it. I'm not discouraged about it. I'm, I'm encouraged by what I know. And then I began to refer to my last names. When I really get serious, I, I talk to myself. Store, listen up. Here's what the Word of God says. How many of you talk to yourself? Store, listen up. You're not discouraged by what you see. You're encouraged by what you know. And within... Ten minutes, I am pacing all the way around this big deck on our house, back and forth. And pretty soon, I was yelling, screaming, I'm not discouraged by what I see. I'm encouraged by what I know. I open the sliding glass door. I I come in. I yell at Ames. Ames, we're not discouraged by what we see. We're encouraged by what we know. And then Amy fired right back at me. And we know more than what we see. We know all those promises of God. I got up. I got my faith roaring. My praise began to roar within me. When David could have been, they wept till they had no more power to weep. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Maybe that's why Psalm 89, 15 said, Blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. When you know how to praise God, that's what that joyful sound is. When you know how to get a hold of God through praise, you're blessed. Amen? And so make this your declaration of faith. When you have truly committed, this will begin to be in your heart. And make this out loud. Speak out loud. Second Timothy 1.12, I know it in whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. So when you really do commit, you're trusting in, relying on, you're resting in the Lord. Repose. Do you know what it means to repose? It means to relax. That's what repose means. Relax. You know, sometimes you have to show your faith, you know, by showing, telling God, God, let's go relax somewhere. I'm just going to relax with you. Sing some songs with him. You know, sometimes pacing back and forth with endless numbers of positive confessions is not showing any faith. It all depends. I mean, I'm not saying don't speak the word. I absolutely tell you right now, that's how Samson killed all of his enemies with a jawbone. You use your mouth speaking God's word, it's going to defeat your enemies. But there comes a time when when you really commit, the load is off you and you feel a release. How many of you have ever had a heavy load on your back? Years ago, many years ago when I was uh, about 25, I got a friend of mine at Exxon in Houston convinced me to go to Minnesota and then go into the backwaters of Canada 400 miles and do this thing that some torture people invented called portaging. You guys, have you ever heard of that portaging? Well, it's just torture is what it is. But you go with a canoe and backpacks, and you go from one lake, you know, paddling, to the, then you have to cross over land, a land bridge to the next lake. That land bridge is anywhere from a half a mile to two miles. And you've got to hike. With, one guy takes the canoe. The other guy has two, you know, 60-pound backpacks. And so you now you're hiking through. There's no path, really. 
And then you just do that all day. You do it for three days, okay? You can't even enjoy the beauty anymore. I mean, after about halfway through day one, you know, I mean, here's a whole thing of ducks flying by. Forget the ducks. You know, you, you just, and flies are on you, bugs are biting you, and you're just trying to make it to shore, paddling. Then you do the next. Then you have to carry the luggage and go to the next one. It's just horrible. And then my guy, the guy that, the friend of mine, decides we're going to eat healthy. (laughs) Granola with sugar-free peanut butter. Sugar-free syrup. The other two guys, or four of us, the other two guys were about ready to beat him up. But the point is, I remember that at the end of that day, when I finally put down the equipment, I couldn't believe how good it felt just to be free. Just to be free of that load. It had been all day. And I felt so good. Just resting. Can we do this right now before we go any farther? This, give God every load, every, every moment that you've been harassed. Just God will work it out. Just give him, let's just get down on our knees like that camel gets on its knees and then it leans way over. And that load just slides right off. Can you just give God those concerns today? Just let, let them slide off. Let the fear, anxiety about your finances, about your job, about your relationships, give him to him. Give him to him. Take, let him take those away. The failure of the first church is they could not do this. We're not going to read this set of scriptures. But they did not believe God, and they did not trust his salvation. And that's, God was furious. He want, when, he, when he heard them say those words, is what it says, God heard them mock his, his faithfulness, and he was wroth, it says. And so a fire was kindled against Jacob, and the anger and anger also came up against Israel. Because they did not believe in God and they did not trust His salvation. So practically, how do we commit our lives and issues to the Lord? Number one, it is vital that you know and trust the one you're committing to. So I know this sounds like a broken record, but guys, I know also from history I'm right. The majority of Christians don't have a steady Bible reading program. You can never really commit well if you don't trust. And you can't trust the one you don't know. You, if you're going to commit the load, then you've got to commit it. I mean, would any of you commit the most important situation in your life to a, a stranger? You wouldn't do that. And, uh, and if God's a stranger in reality, because you don't know him through his word, you're not going to be able to trust him. And that's the basis of committing. When you truly commit something, you've got to be in a trustworthy relationship with somebody. All right? So number one, it's vital that you know and trust the one you're committing. So make sure every day you're in the Word, getting to know God and building that relationship. Number two, practice daily prayer and worship. Same thing I preach every week. But Psalm 55, 17, in the Passion again, every evening I will explain my need to Him. Every morning I will move my soul toward Him. Every waking hour I will worship only Him, and He will hear and respond to my cry. Now that's what a committed 
Christian looks like. That's, that's how they're feeling toward God. And then Psalm 4, 6, and 7 um, talks about, you know, in everything by prayer. You know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Number three, when you're in prayer, this is really important. So if you're going to be successful on committing to the Lord your issues, your work, your plans, your projects, your or your fear, worry, and anxiety, this is how you do it. Number three, in prayer, while you're praying, make a decisive dedication at a definite moment where you give God your work, your issue, your anxiety. And that's where you roll it onto Him. Make sure that you're very specific and make sure that you cast all your cares, concerns, and anxieties upon Him. Him, this God who neither slumbers or sleeps, whose eye is on the sparrow, who knows the end from the beginning, feast on His faithfulness. Okay? Number four. I want you then remember from that moment that you had, you, you definitely can remember that at that moment you, you gave that load, that issue to the Lord. You cast your burdens to Him. I want you to then remember and acknowledge every day that God is with you and He's working with you as a faithful co-laborer. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9 that we're co-workers together with God. So here's what I'd like you to do. Every day, just tell God, God is great. We're doing life together. Holy Spirit, I'm walking with you today. And that we're doing this project together. So the gardens, every day, I wake up. We, Amy and I pray. We pray with others in the church that we row our works upon you today. Lord, we thank you that all the decisions that we're making, that you're, we're being spirit-led in those decisions. We're acknowledging God. We're not just plowing ahead. Full speed ahead. And you don't even know what direction we're going in. Okay? So it's really important that we do this. Number five, you have to then resist the temptation to worry and take back your burdens. Okay? So I gave you some scriptures there in Luke and Matthew. Your Heavenly Father knows you need these things. So don't let fear and worry come back in because your Heavenly Father already knows that you need these things. And so one of the ways that I deal with, with either temptation or, or th- thoughts is it's much better if you get on the offensive than just play defense all day. How many of you think that, that playing defense, you've got to play, you know, the shield of faith will quench every fiery, you know, m- missile of the enemy. It'll quench it when the enemy shoots those missiles. But you know that the way these defenses now that we've got and, and Israel's iron shield, so it's not like there's this big bubble over the towns in Israel that when Hamas or Hezbollah shoots those rockets every day practically, and then somehow they get put out by hitting a force field. No, Israel's got offense. They, they got their defense. They've got missiles that are lined up on those when those missiles are being shot by the enemy. There's something being shot back. And knocking those things out before they get to the, to the villages and towns in Israel. And so what are you shooting back? Are you shooting something back? You've got to be able to open your mouth and say something. And it's really, really important because, you know, Samson had the jawbone. That, that, that was an offensive weapon. Uh, Joshua's javelin. Moses' rod. He had the king in 2 Kings 13, with the, the bow, shooting the arrow out, the, out of the window. I mean, all these different um, pictures in the Old Testament showing that you've got to use your mouth. 
Don't wait to be overwhelmed by thoughts. Put, put out the thoughts. Now, what do you think of Psalm 138 when it says, Blessed are they that, that take your babies and bash the Babylonian babies and bash them against the rocks? That's a pretty violent scripture. But what's it really telling us? You deal with the issue when it's a baby. Do not let that thing grow up. If that thing grows up, it could, it could kill you. Deal with those thoughts. Deal with the, the um, work of the enemy that's coming at you. Don't wait till it, it gets into this full mushroom cloud, nuclear mushroom cloud in your life. Okay? Resist temptation. And number six, we're going to close with this. Keep your faith pumped up by declaring throughout the day, you are my God and my Father. I am your son and I am your daughter. So let's just read a couple of them and we'll close for the day. Psalm 118.28 in the Amplified. You are my God and I will confess, praise, and give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Is that great? Is that not one of the great verses? So why don't we stand on our feet and we'll, we'll...